This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, sorry to keep everyone waiting. Leo, can you hear me? <laughs> okay, very good. Uh, let's uh, start. And today we're talking about spirituality. And everyone today, that's the code word today. A lot of people want to be spiritual. It's a very good thing to be spiritual. It's a very good thought to be spiritual. A very good uh, gusto to be spiritual. I want to be spiritual. I want to be spiritual. But how does a person become spiritual? And the answer is that it's not easy. Put it that way. Nothing is easy. There's no such thing as a free lunch. Physically, there's no things of free lunch, and spiritually too, there's no such things of free lunch. Although, the higher levels of spirituality, the rabbis tell us, are a free lunch. In other words, Hashem really wants someone. They, Hashem sees someone trying, striving to get higher and higher. Hashem lends a hand and pushes them higher up. So, there are levels of spirituality. The higher levels of spirituality are really a free lunch. But otherwise, there's no such things of free lunch. So that in, involves the spiritual world as well as the physical world. Now, what makes life so difficult is we are balancing. We are balancing our quadrinity of uh, parts. We have different parts to us. All of us have different parts. So we have uh, the physical side to us, the body, which pulls us down as much as possible to the earth, earthiness. That's the body pulling us down to earthiness. We have the soul trying to pull us up to, to the heaven, to the spirituality. And then we have our personalities, which is like the arbiters in between, right? The arbiter between the soul and the body is the personality. And then we have our mind, which is the mental capacities, also as an arbiter between the body and the soul. So we are pulled in all different directions. And that's why you see so many teenagers are totally confused. Why? Because they're pulled in all these directions. They have their drives, their physical drives, their spiritual drives. We all have all these drives pulling us in all different directions. And then you add into that melting pot our families and our friends and our acquaintances and, and people around us. And a person can go crazy. A lot of people did get crazy. A lot of people do get crazy. So why? Because life is not simple. Life is not simple. Life is complicated. And a person who wants to be spiritual has to really strive to be spiritual. It's not easy to be spiritual. Even though a lot of people think it comes naturally, it does. We do have a soul. That comes naturally. But listening to the soul... And tuning one in, one in, oneself into the soul, that's the hard part. Tuning oneself into one's soul. But if we could listen to our soul and tune ourselves into the soul, we would be prophets. All of us would be prophets. Because what happens is there's a break today between us and our souls, our physicality and our spirituality. And usually it's a break. And I just came back from uh, evening prayers. I just came back from the evening prayers. And it's like a very mechanical act. It's like, you know, especially got these young, uh, young boys who are chazanim and they have no idea what they're doing. And it's like uh, putting an orchestra player over there who knows nothing what he's doing, right? So just, it's like a mechanical act. Ba, 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 it comes out, the words come out. And that's good. I'm not saying it's bad. It's very good. But where is the mind and where are the thoughts and how much is the person striving to get close to God? And that's, that is really the key. The key is what are we up to in our lives? And we, so there's four different parts, uh, four different parts to us. There's the acts a person does. Okay. So a person who's spiritual will do spiritual acts. What does that mean? That means chesed, acts of kindness to people. I'm just giving examples. Uh, a person will go to pray. A person will go to do mitzvot. Those are spiritual acts. So spiritual acts, 
a person who is spiritual are drawn to spiritual acts. Acts which are not spiritual don't draw the person. A person who's very earthy will be drawn to very earthy acts, you know, like earthy acts like porn. There's earthy acts like watching violence, like uh, boxing. You see Mike Tyson, oh boy, animals in the ring, right? They're like human beings, but they're really, they're acting like animals. And I, I don't want to say that because it's like casting aspersions to animals. Animals are holy beings. <laughs> they're doing what comes naturally. But human beings that act like animals are not coming and doing what naturally. They're teaching themselves to be violent. And they're teaching themselves to be base and all these kinds of things. Naturally, we're drawn to them because we are earthy. We are part, most of us is, is just part of his earth. That's what the Torah tells us right at the beginning. Adam was created from the earth. However, Hashem blew into his nostrils the soul of life. And therefore, we have these two parts which are pulling in both directions. And therefore, the way we act is also has to be a spiritual way of acting. And because it's drawn to physical actions, that's spirituality and action. A person is drawn to base actions, there's baseness in action. So that's how that's, there's spirituality in the way we act. There's spirituality in the way a person speaks. We know that we know the Eshel Chayel. We talked about this. Eshel Chayel talks about Torah Chesed The Torah of kindness is on her tongue. That's a spiritual way of talking. How does a person speak? With sympathy, with empathy. Um, with aggressiveness, even this, the way a person speaks. If I'm not talking about swear words, obviously that's a no-no for Jews. That's a total no-no. The Ramban Nachmanides tells us in Parsha Kiddoshi. Parsha Kiddoshi, by the way, is the the uh, Jewish uh, signpost for holiness. This Jewish signpost for spirituality goes through Parsha Kiddoshim. And Parsha Akhremot, at the end of Akhremot Kiddoshim, uh, we know the holiest day of the year is is, uh, is uh, Yom Kippur. That's, uh, it's not really holiest day of the year, Shabbat. The holiest days of the year are Shabbat even more than Yom Kippur. The penalties of breaking Shabbat are much higher than the penalties of breaking Yom Kippur. People don't know that. Okay, you can't eat on Yom Kippur and you can eat on Shabbat. But that doesn't make it less holy. That makes it more holy. We're going to talk about is holiness abstaining or is holiness engaging in the world and sanctifying the world? Is spirituality abstaining from the world? Unfortunately, there's many religions that think it is. Spirituality can only be reached by abstaining. Right, we know I'm not going to talk about different religions, but you can think about it, right? The holiest man cannot be married because he's abstaining, he can't, he has to abstain from physical pleasure. Uh, you're not allowed to eat meat on a certain day of the week. That's 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 what people think is spirituality. Spirituality abstaining from physicality. Torah says no. Torah says spirituality is taking the physical and sanctifying the spiritual, taking time and sanctifying time. How do we sanctify time? And the answer is what do you do with your time. If you set aside times for holy purposes, you're sanctifying your time. If you set aside times for base purposes, you're basing your time. If you go to work, that, that could be a very spiritual experience. Going to work can be a spiritual experience. I'm going to talk about this. So we have spiritual, spirituality and action. We have spirituality and speech, the way a person speaks. Empathy, kindness, sympathy, um, being nice to people, not being nasty. That is spirituality and speech. Using one's speech to say all the blessings in the morning, that's a spiritual speech. Okay, and then we have thoughts. Number three is thoughts. A person can be spiritual in their thoughts. How can you be spiritual in their thoughts? And you can have two people on the train. You have one person reading the newspaper. That could also be a very spiritual thing because every time you read the newspaper, every time I see the newspaper today, or the, I, don't, I don't read newspapers anymore, but I see the, see the news. Is you read the news on the internet 
and newspaper on the internet, and you see, and then you say, God, Hashem, please save us. We have Hezbollah over here, we have Iran over here, they're making the bombs, we don't know what's going on. So it could be a very spiritual experience. You read the paper and you say, God, there's you know, so many problems, Hashem, please solve the problems for us. Please put out those fires in Canada. I saw pictures of New York, I can't believe it. It's like, uh, became like uh, Shanghai, you have all that smog and the smoke, and the, yesterday at least. Uh, I hope it's better today, but still, I mean, there are things going on in the world that you read the newspaper and you have to pray to God, and that makes it a spiritual experience. So the way a person speaks, the way a person thinks, right? So you have two people on the train. One person is uh, reading newspaper, is reading something else, and it could be a spiritual experience. A person can make it a spiritual experience, or a person can make it a very base kind of experience. So that's, everything is now in our choices. We can be spiritual beings, it's our choice. We can be physical beings, it's our choice. Everything is based on choice. And what makes that more powerful? So it's not just the thoughts, but it's the thought behind the thoughts. This is number four on the list. The fourth part of us is, what is our rationale for being? And this is something we don't spend enough time on. What is our rationale for being? What are we trying to accomplish in life? And this is something so important. That, and no one spends time on it. We don't talk to our children about it. What is the rational, rationale of being? What am I trying to accomplish in my life? What am I trying to do in my life? Because if I don't know what I'm doing in my life, I'm just wasting my life. Right? A when a person goes up after 120 years, I always say, a person's got to give answers. What are the major questions a person's going to be asked? Were you honest? Did you do business honestly? Did you treat people with honesty? Were you a tricky person? Were you a straight person? Were you an honest person? That's number one. Number two is did you fix times to learn Torah? Because we have to know the Torah is our signposts for spirituality. If you want to know how to be spiritual, you cannot be spiritual without learning the Torah because it's very hard. There are some people who are naturally very spiritual. We know that the forefathers never had Torah. But they, were, they, were very, they were probably more spiritual than all of us combined. Why? Because their spirituality came from within. They had some kind of spiritual sense. Abraham, Abraham, Sarah had this spiritual sense. And it says they learned Torah from their own, it says from their own uh, innards. They learned Torah from their own innards. What does that mean? They learned Torah from their, uh, what's the word for it? For the, from their kidneys. They, le- they learned Torah from their kidneys. What does that mean? It's, it's like the, Torah, the, the rabbis are telling us, the Midrashim are telling us that internally they were spiritual. They had some kind of spiritual sense. We don't know where it came from. Where did Abraham get that spiritual sense? It was in bread. It was, it was from his forefathers. It was from, even though they were idol worshippers, his forefathers were Noah and Shem. And before that, Shet. And before that, Adam and Sean. These are very spiritual beings. We don't really think of them as very spiritual beings. He had it inside his DNA. And he passed it down to all of us. We have all these things in our DNA. Maybe not to the same extent of having that natural sense of spirituality. Sometimes you see children, it's just children. I've seen, I have a brother who was very young and he was just sitting down on the steps in the house reading Tehillim. I mean, a child is not, you know, a child who's six, seven years old is usually very active. They don't normally sit down and read a book of Psalms, right? And this is without anyone telling him to do it. And he's just very spiritual, just from a very early age, he was just very spiritual. And some people are not like that, but uh, so it's in the DNA. It's, it's totally in the DNA. And, and, uh, but a person can have it or have it, not have it, but they have to work towards it. We have to work towards it. What does that work towards it? We have to make our reason, that re, the French have a word, you know, raison d'etre. 
raison d'être means our purpose for living. Our purpose for living must be to fix ourselves in this world. Our purpose for living must be to reach spiritual heights. Our purpose for living must be to reach God in this world. And that's what the Ramam says. The Ramam says, he says, when a person passes away and go to an Amaba, they will sit with their crowns on their head. And then he says, there are no such thing as crowns in the world to come. Don't, don't believe it. It's not a physical world, a spiritual world. What is this crown on our head? He says, look at this. Listen to this. He says, the awareness of God we achieved in this world. The awareness of God we achieved in this world is the crown on our head. In other words, the awareness of spirituality, the awareness of feeling God, our creator, our designer. Uh, how do we feel God? So this is something I want to talk about. So let's just, uh, this is probably the main point of my, of my talk tonight. And if you can just remember this point, the point is, what is the key to spirituality? And that is the thirst, the yearning for spirituality. That is number one. That is the key to life. The key to spirituality is, it starts with yearning for spirituality, yearning for spirituality. What do I want most in life? Shoma Melov says, I want most in life. Or David Melov says in Psalms, he says, Lelohim. He says, I'm thirsty for God. Right? Like a deer looks for water. I'm thirsty for you, Hashem. I'm thirsty for God. Like a, how does the person get to that level? That's, that's mind-blowing. How does the person get to the level of, you know, of being thirsty for God? I'm thirsty for you, God. That's, that's a very, obviously, David Amelach, a high level, a very high spiritual level. He's thirsty for God. But at least we have that yearning in the bottom, back of our minds. You know, whatever I do in life, I want to get closer to God. Whatever I'm trying to do, I'm going to work, I'm trying to get closer to God. I'm trying to earn money for my family so I can get, I can live a physical life of, of purity, of honesty, provide for my children, learn Torah, pray to God, do mitzvah. That's a life of spirituality. I'm taking the physical in my life and making it spiritual. When a person eats and says, you know, I'm, I want the strength to be able to serve God. I want to be healthy to serve God. That's a very high level of living. That's making life spiritual. Making life spiritual is I'm living with God. I'm living with God every second. I want to be close to God. And everything I do, my purpose, my purpose of being is to get close to God. My purpose of being, and eventually we're going to get very close to God. And a lot of people won't be ready for it. And that's the problem. The problem is we're not going to be ready for it. So you know, people in life just going through life, easy come, easy go. Every second of the day, Hashem gives us seconds of the day, 86,000, I think it's seconds of the day. Don't waste it. It's a bank, of, a bank account. Hashem gave us these valuable seconds and we're wasting it. So how does a person not waste time? That is one of the most critical spiritual things we have to do. And the answer is to find anchors in our lives. We have to have anchors in our lives. What is the anchors in our life? And the anchors are fixing times for spiritual activities in our day. If you fix time, it's like we do right now. We're fixing a time every Thursday night, 8.30 in Israel. Well, what is it, 1.30 in America. We're fixing times every week. That's a spiritual island of time. That's a fixing time. That's, that shows something's important to a person. If they fix time for something, it shows they're important. A lot of people are fixing times, right? They go to the gym. They go to work out. They go this. They go that. But let's fix times for spirituality. That's how a person becomes spiritual by showing we fix times for spirituality. That's, listen, all these things are very easy. These are very broad headings. Okay, what I'm giving you now is very broad headings. I want to go more into details. Okay, if you, if you don't mind, we're going to go more into details. And the higher levels of spirituality are levels called meditation. It's all in the mind. It's, that's why when a person's in a bed and they're sick, 
we don't say terminate life. Judaism does not say terminate life because thoughts are the most the closest things to God our thoughts. How do we know? Because God is not physical. So the actions we do, the physical actions, okay, the physical actions, they have powerful thoughts behind them. We say a bracha, we sanctify, brings us closer to God. Now speech is much more spiritual, brings us, it's more esoteric and has no physical attribute, and therefore it's closer to God. Our thoughts are closest to God. Our thoughts, rabbis tell us, is a beta mikdash. Our minds are the beta mikdash. What would you bring into the beta mikdash? Oh gosh, we don't know. What's going on in a person's mind? That is their temple. Our minds are our temples. You know, many years we talked about the heart. Today we know the heart. The Rabbi told us hundreds of years ago, 850 years ago, the heart is the mind. When the rabbi said, love God with all your heart, what does it mean? It love God with all your mind. Your mind, your consciousness. Our consciousness is who we are. We are in our consciousness. The Rambam says a very powerful thing. He says, you are where your mind is. You are, we are where our mind's at. Whatever we're thinking about now, that's where we are. If we're thinking about God, we're with God. We're thinking about spirituality, we're being spiritual. We're thinking about Torah, we're, we're being Torah-minded. We're, we're spiritual in that, in that sense. So where our minds are, <coughs> we always talked about the mind's eye. The mind's eye. What is the mind's eye? Mind's eye can be dreams, it can be meditation, it can be thoughts, right? That's the mind's eye. The higher levels of serving God are, especially when a person gets older, you can't climb the mountain. David Amir says, who will climb the mountain? <laughs> Psalm, 30, uh, Psalm 24. Everyone knows Psalm 23. Psalm 24 is one of my favorite psalms. It's a psalm for Sunday. We say in our prayer book, Psalm Sunday, Mi Hashem, who can climb the mountain of God? Who can stand on that mountain? So there's one thing, climbing the mountain. Yeah, every time we do a mitzvah, we got to do a good deed. We do chesed, we, we pray, whatever. We do a mitzvah, we're climbing God's mountain. And then what happens is, fall down. It fall, we fall, we break, we, we crash again. And we climb again. Suddenly came, climb again. The Suddenly came, just keep on climbing. We just try, even though we fall, we try and climb again. That's the secret to spirituality. Spirituality is, it's not a straight line. It's not a straight line up. It's like the stock market. It just goes up and then it goes down, it goes up and it goes down. Sometimes a person feels spiritual. Sometimes a person doesn't feel spiritual. Sometimes a person's into it. Sometimes a person's not into it. But we have to try and push ourselves to be spiritual. As long as a person has that mindset in life, I want to be spiritual. I want to reach upwards. I want to reach upward to my God. Right? We said the Magen David is reaching upwards, reaching inwards, and reaching outwards to other people. So three different, this triangle of, of the Magen David, the two triangles. There's the individual triangle of reaching upwards to God, reaching outwards to people, and reaching inwards to oneself. And then there's the, the national triangle or the communal triangle of, of helping other people, of coming close to God and learning about ourselves. So there's three, there's, there's three, there's three sites to Judaism, three points to Judaism. Pirkei talks about the Torah on three things. Torah, which is the three parts of the triangle. Outwards, inners, and upwards. Outward to other people inner to ourselves and upwards to God. So we have that part of the triangle. We have to sanctify those three areas in our lives. And, uh, and we, can, we can reach higher levels. So we have to, but we have to have that raison d'etre. We have that uh, background in our lives. What am I trying to achieve in my life? I'm trying to get closer to God. I'm trying to get closer to God. I'm, I want to be as, you know, it's interesting because we have this prayer in the repetition of the Shemona Esrei. 
And if you've never been to synagogue, you'll never see it. It's very strange. Why? Because you see everyone bouncing on their toes. Kadosh, 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 kadosh. We bounce upwards on our, on our toes. Holy, holy, holy is God. Based on the Pasuk of Isaiah, Isaiah, Isaiah the prophet sees whatever he sees a vision. He says, holy, holy. So here's the angel saying. We borrowed this from the angels. Holy, holy, holy is God. And the Arizal says, when a person says that, they should try and draw holiness down from God. Holy, 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 Hashem. I want to be holy like you. I want to be draw down holiness from you. Please, Hashem, make me holy. Please, Hashem. Give me some glimpse of spirituality. I want to be like you. Obviously, we can't be like God. We have to try and be God-like. What does that mean? Try and be as perfect as possible a human being can get to. Try it. And that's so hard. It's so hard. Believe me, it's so hard. Who can climb the mountain of God? That's climbing the mountain of God. So what happens when a person does Kedusha, they go bounce on their feet. They go up and then they come down again. And they go up and they come down again. They go up again and come down again. That's trying to be holy. That's what holiness is all about. It's climbing the mountain of God. And then, you know, unfortunately we come down, but we have to try again. We try again, we come down, we try again. But the main thing is to have these islands in time. So our day is not wasted. Otherwise, the times, everything's wasted. We have to have fixed times. I myself have to fix times. Thank God I have fixed times every day. Times for prayer, times for learning, times for teaching, times for helping. Person has, you know, chesed, fixed times, volunteer. There's so many, so many places the person can volunteer. And I take my hat off to all those volunteers out there who help other people who go. Uh, you see in Yerushalayim, Yad Sarah, you see people driving their trucks. They're all volunteers, all the people who are driving their trucks. We had a, a woman in our, in our show who used to volunteer. And we had a few people in our show who used to volunteer in the old age home, the Jewish old age home. So these are things that God can do. Just fix times, you know, give times to God, fix times for spirituality. So I want to move on. I want to move on to the Rambam. This Rambam is a mind-blowing Rambam. But unfortunately, we can read the Rambam and not understand what he's saying. So I'm going to try and give over this Rambam today. Because this Rambam is talking about a higher level of living, which is based on meditation. It's based on meditation. The Rambam is basically telling us how to be a prophet. The Rambam is telling us what the prophets had to go through to become prophets. And this is something which, why? Because when you talk about spirituality today, people always say... There's no spirituality in Judaism. Even religious people, they say, there's no spirituality in Judaism. If you want spirituality, you can look at the Eastern religions. You know, 75% of all the cults in America are Jews. 75% of all the ashrams are Jews. Why is that? And the answer is very simple. They're looking for spirituality. People are looking today for spirituality because they have all this, you know, have all this base stuff around them and they're just sick and the body gets sick after a while. We're sickened by the baseness. And today it's getting worse and worse. And the baseness around us is terrible. But we have to... So some people are just revolted and revolted. And some people are just naturally spiritual. They want to be spiritual. So look for spirituality. So you go and do a search on Google. I want to be spiritual. What do you, have? What do you find? You find... Who knows what you find? You don't find Judaism over there. You may find Esha Torah. I found Esha Torah. And they give you something, uh, whatever. But it's just a little pitzker. I want spirituality. Or you find Chabad. That's good. Chabad or Isha Torah, but there's very little out there which is Jewish. And the, and the ones that are out there, who they quote, they quote Eastern religions. I, I was shocked. I was shocked. How many Jews are, you know, these are, these are so-called Jewish organizations for meditation and they're quoting Eastern religions. We meditate like Buddhists and we whatever, like this one, or like that one. But we have our own system. 
And that is what I want to talk about tonight is the Jewish system for spirituality. Jewish system for meditation. There's a system of Judaism for meditation, which no one knows about, even though it's right out there. It's the Rambam. <laughs> you can't get more basic than Rambam when you can. So Rambam talks about, he has a whole section. This is in the laws of your Sodei HaTorah. You can download this on the internet. It's available, uh, widely available. Just go look for the, the laws of the foundations of the Torah, Rambam's laws of foundations of the Torah, chapter 7. This is chapter 7 of foundations of the Torah. And I want to give it over very quickly, but it's very, it's very complicated. Obviously, it takes more than one hour to talk about it. Number one, how does a person become spiritual to the point of meditating? Okay, so meditating. What, what was involved in meditation to become spiritual? So number one, he said, the person's got to be Chacham Gadol. got to be smart. You can't be a fool and meditate. You can't. You can't get to these high levels of service of Shem by being a fool. Why? Because we said the high levels of service of Shem are in the mind. The higher levels of, uh, this is, this is, you know, we all do mitzvah, we all pray, but prayer can be a little, uh, a little uh, obnoxious. Why? Because when a person loses this idea of in the mind, uh, what is it? Howard Halevavot, uh, the duties of the heart, he says, a prayer without kavanah. Now that, kavanah, by the way, the word kavanah, which means intentions or, or uh, concentration, is one of the key words for meditation in Judaism. To say Judaism has no meditation is not. Is a lie because the trouble is, as Rabbi Arya Kaplan writes, and he writes in his book, he has a book called Jewish Meditation, which is so important for every Jew to see, even if you just read the forward, you read the, the, the introduction, that there is such a thing, a concept of Jewish meditation is such a thing of high levels of spirituality in Judaism. And in fact, it was lost for a while because we lost the key words. We lost the key words, even though they're right here in front of us, we have the word Kavanah and the Shukanah. Where a person prays, they have to have kavana. What's kavana? The power of concentrating on the words and the meaning of our prayers. A person prays like a robot, which is most of us. We just pray them, especially in the morning. I tell you, in the morning, I'm not a morning person. I just can't think in the morning. It's so hard. Just to put your, you have to wrap your mind around the words. You have to wrap. It's hard work. And that's why the prayers are called avodah, service of God. It's Why is it called avodah? Because it's a real service. It's a hard service to wrap your mind Focus your mind. Try focus your mind. How long can we focus our minds? Our minds are lost very quickly. Our minds are lost very, very quickly. I see people, you know, listening to the class and tuning out. Like, the mind's lost. I can't, Rabbi. My mind is, is incapacitated after five minutes. You know, they say that a rabbi should only speak for 10 minutes, max. First, one of the classes when I hear about, you know, speaking classes for rabbis. When you speech in the shul, keep it less than, ideal is seven minutes. Ideal time. If you want people's attention, well, you have to be, obviously, you have to talk nicely and, and have people's attention. Grab their attention and talk not more than seven minutes, because after seven minutes, you're lost. Obviously, in a class like that, I can't talk for seven minutes. I'll be out of a job. Okay, but, but, but a regular uh, speech should be less than seven minutes. It's got to be powerful enough for people to tune in and get the main points in seven minutes. If you can't say, where do we learn this from? From Hashem. Hashem. <laughs> where do we see Hashem talking to us? And the answer is Ten Commandments. How long does it take to read the Ten Commandments? Do you know how long it takes to read the Ten Commandments? Most of the commandments are two words. The last few commandments, all two words, two word commandments. Don't kill, don't steal, don't murder, don't this, don't, don't commit adultery. It's two words each. Hashem was very quick once he had our attention. He smacked it out, boom, 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 blasted it and just penetrated our skulls. 
That's the way a person should speak. That's the way a rabbi should speak. Just quickly get to the point, get the message across and say goodbye. That's it. Shabbat Shalom. Okay, well, I'm not going to do that tonight because <laughs> there's a lot of stuff, to, a lot of things to cover, but I want you to help me. And if you can find this Rambam, download this Rambam and read it when you have leisure time. This is a good Rambam to start with. I want to be spiritual, Rabbi. How do I get to be spiritual? Well, number one is you've got to be smart enough to want it. Once you want it, that's, that's a sign you're smart. That's a sign you know what's going on in the world. Because there's so much garbage in the world and a person yearning for God. I want to be spiritual, Hashem. I want to be spiritual. I want to be, I want to be kadosh, kadosh, kadosh. I want to be latch onto your holiness and drag me up, Hashem, please. So that's number one is wise. Wise enough to know that's important. Number two, you're bored. And this is the hard part. To be mighty. To be mighty, not like Mike Tyson or the Boulder, Muhammad Ali, not these guys who are mighty knocking people out. No, that's not might. Might is self-control. As the Mishnah said, this is the hardest thing. It's much easier to smack other people than be a, a person who can control themselves. I want to get angry sometimes. You can't, you can't. If you're a husband, you can't get angry all the time. If you're a father, you can't get angry all the time. If you're a grandfather, you definitely cannot get angry. <laughs> person's got to control themselves. It's so hard to control. person sees, it's so hard. You go down the street, you want to see something, you want to see these sights, and you can't. Sometimes you're going to say, Lotaturu. don't go after your heart and your eyes. So there's a lot of things to stay away from. That's self-control. So Rama says, this is number two. Number one is being wise enough to want it. Number two is Learning how to self-control because a prophet who can't control himself is amok. The prophet goes l- crazy. The prophet goes loony. Who's the prophet who went loony? You have a few of them around. I don't mention any names. The most famous one is Shabbatai Tzvi. Shabbatai Tzvi was very close to the prophet. He did miracles. Shabbatai Tzvi could talk to God. And, I don't know. He could meditate and he could uh, he get answers from God. And they said he did miracles. And people thought he did miracles and yet he, was, he became a loony. Right? We went off the derech. We find uh, Elisha ben Abuya, one of the great rabbis. Who, and by the way, that's another code word. When the rabbi, when the rabbis in the, in the Talmud talk about entering the pardes, entering the orchard, that's talking about meditation. That's the orchard of meditation. Okay, so we know that exists. The trouble is the code words in Judaism have been lost, and it's not on people's radar. Is Judaism a spiritual religion? People don't know. It's not spiritual. There's no spirituality. They don't know how to meditate. They don't meditate. The truth is, every time we pray, we're meant to meditate in the prayers. Because the early pious ones would take three hours to pray Shacharit. Three hours to pray Mincha and three hours to pray Arbit. Well, they're doing it for three hours. And the answer is very, very simple. This is one hour they were preparing for the prayer. It takes a long time to aim the arrow. That's the how are you aiming your arrows. Where are you aiming them? We have to find God. We have to think about Hashem. How do the brother think about Hashem? So we're going to come to a technique the Ramam gives us to think about Hashem. The Ramam says, go out in the fields. And think about the creator of the world. This is so hard to do today because we're distracted. We have no time. We want everything in two minutes. Rabbi, good to me in two minutes, seven minutes max. But to go into the fields and think about, this is what our forefathers did. This is how our forefathers became spiritual. How did our forefathers become spiritual? Most of our forefathers were shepherds. Abraham, Yitzhak, Yaakov. Shepherds. They were shepherds. Yosef was a shepherd at the beginning of his life. The tribes were all shepherds. They were in the fields all day. What were they doing in the fields all day? Well, the main thing is, what do you do in the fields all night? It's pretty boring looking after sheep. And they answer, look at the stars, look at the sun, look at the sky, look at the sun. Look for Hashem. Look for Hashem in creation. Look for God in creation. And the Ramah used a very key word over here. He used the word, Hidbonenut. 
Ari, Ari, Ari Kaplan says, Hibbonen Nun is one of the key words for meditation in Torah. Hibbonen, Hibbonen is based on the word Bina, which is understanding. Try and understand the system, God's system. Try and understand God. Go into the fields, go into the world and see. You know, today I had an amazing sight. And this site, you know, I haven't seen this for about six months. <laughs> it's a site that repeats every summertime. And that is, I was, I was sitting in the shul, right on the wall of the shul. The shuls, are, you know, the, the walls in Jerusalem are made of stone, white stone. And looking out the window, just looking out the window, something was moving. I looked out. It was a big lizard. It was a white lizard, a completely white lizard. You know, these lizards look like crocodiles. It's a miniature crocodile. White, total white lizard. The only thing that was not white was his eyes. Okay, I'm puzzled to look at that and say, wow, look at Hashem create all these creatures. What for? And the answer is very simple, to show us his greatness. If God would have created just one man and one woman and one plant and one animal, so say, yeah, God is, you know, how great is God? One of each, okay. He creates thousands and thousands and millions of different varieties. Amazing creatures, and we have to understand, this is God's orchestra. You know, there's a book that, the rabbis say it's good to say it's Perik Shira. It's called Perik Shira, the song of the animals praising God. How do animals praise God? And the answer is just by being what they are, just by teaching us the amazing brilliance of God's design. That's that's the answer. How they serve God by teaching us God's design. How did God design these? I mean, it's mind blowing. You know, as you think about design of plants, design of fruits. Look at the fruit and look at the design. Watermelons. It's it's starting to be watermelon season in Israel. Wow, what a great fruit. What amazing fruit, especially for a hot, dry day. What amazing fruit. What a you look at it and it's and it's green outside and hard and you don't think it's anything special, but you you cut it open, you see, wow, the luscious red, ah especially the sweet ones, they're really good. But to think about why use that to think about the creator, the designer. The designer, that's what Ramam tells us. Go out in the field and think about the design of creation. Now's the time. Now's the time, you know, after the smoke passes. You go out in the fields and go into gardens. And I used to go to, uh, there's a, a beautiful garden in, uh, where is it, New Jersey. Oh, what's the name? Um, what's it called, guys? Come on. Um, um, Colonial Gardens. Oh, you should got it. You, got it. Um, you took the words right out of my mouth. Colonial <laughs> Garden. Yeah, you, okay. Okay, Leo, you can meet yourself again. Thank you. <laughs> Colonial Garden. <laughs> Colonial Garden, you go, you know, my mother gave me a, a love for roses. She was a, a rose fanatic. She would plant roses in the garden. She had this green thumb. I don't know where she got the green thumb from, but she would love roses and plant roses everywhere she went in her backyard. And you went to her backyard in London. So she had roses in one backyard and she moved house. And then she started because she wants to provide the smells, the fragrant smells for Havdalah. So she started growing, uh, what do they call the, that we use Hadassim, myrtles, which are useful also for uh, Sukkot. She had massive myrtle, I've never seen such myrtle bushes growing 15 feet into the air. And when I used to go there, visit her, we'd go maybe climb the ladder and go cut her myrtles. And every week she would send myrtles to the shuls. And she had all kinds of fragrant bushes that she would Give for the shoe for Havdalah. Amazing. Okay, so we have to look at God's design. How do you want to get close to God? Look at God's design. And then read Torah, because Torah is God's word. That's how God speaks to us. God speaks to us. How does God speak to us? Did God speak to you today? Well, if you learn Torah, God spoke to you today. And we have to take God's words and try and find the spirituality in God's words. That's the hard part of learning Torah. The hard part of learning Torah is 
finding spirituality in the Torah, digging into the Torah. It's like you're looking for water. You gotta dig a well, right? So when you learn Torah, you gotta dig and find what is the spiritual, what spiritual concepts can I learn from the Torah today? What spiritual insights can I get from the Torah today? What am I learning about today? Oh, today I was learning with the kids um, the section of uh, the Levites, the Levim. So it says they could only serve in the temple from the age of 30 to the age of 50, right? So what are the exceptions? Now, it's very interesting because everything in Judaism has some kind of exception. There's always an exception to the rule. There are rules. Some rules have no exceptions. Some rules have exceptions. So what are the exceptions? So the Torah says that only Levites from the age of 30 to 50 can serve. So Rambam says that only applied, number one, is when they were actually moving things around in the desert. Because that's heavy work. That's, you need to be extra strong, super strong to move the heavy lifting of the Mishkan at the time. Take it down, put it back up, and carry it through the desert. That's heavy lifting. Then he says, children can be part of the Levitical orchestra. Imagine Levites in a temple will be the orchestra. That's, you know, that's a part of spirituality that I haven't talked about yet, song. Song music is really such a major ingredient of spirituality. Now, unfortunately, when the temple was destroyed, they actually, they, they says, David says, Talinu Kinorotenu in Al He says, We hung up our hearts. He was prophesying the future when the, when the first temple was going to be destroyed, the Jews were going to be moved to Babylon. By the rivers of Babylon, I sat and I wept, and we hung up our harps. No more music. That's the trouble. The temple was destroyed. The music. Judaism, the beautiful music of David Melech of, of the temple service was stopped. Unfortunately, tragic. Why? Because one of the key ways to spirituality is through music. Through music. Now we know that Abraham Avinu spoke to God, but God spoke to Abraham. Because the Torah tells us God spoke to Isaac, God spoke to Jacob, God spoke to Hagar. The angel spoke to Hagar, right? Of all people, right? God spoke to all our greats. He spoke to Moses nonstop. God speaks to Moshe, calls Moshe, speaks to Moshe. How does God speak to people? We, have, we never thought about this. How does God speak to people? And the answer is in their minds. God speaks to us in our minds. Now, um, sometimes it's very rare to have revelation that really God speaks to us. And uh, one of the times I had a little bit, little, little bit of revelation, a little bit. Just a tiny glimpse of revelation. It's so great. It was so good. It was when I moved to Israel. Like, I was on a spiritual high. I really was on a spiritual high. And one night, I had this out-of-body experience. I felt my soul coming out of my body and flying in the air. And I was in a shul, and I flew right to the, to the Aron HaKodesh. And I could hear myself saying that it was like a vision. And it was a beautiful vision. It was like so peaceful and so great. And, 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 and yeah, you're really... Sp- you're flying. You're flying. I can, I can imagine it's an out-of-body experience. You're flying towards God. And then, you know, you, and this is what Isaiah the prophet tells us. You're flying towards God. And he says, God, he says, what do you want from me? I'll do whatever you want, Hashem. And that's, that is what spirituality is all about. Spirituality is talking to God all the time and saying, God, what do you want from me? What do you want? And the answer is we have, we have signposts. Our Torah is our signposts. You cannot be spiritual without going through these signposts and these areas. So Ramon says, number one is meditating on creation. Meditating on creation. Unfortunately, the people who should be meditating the most on creation are the scientists. And these are the people who unfortunately aren't, especially the biologists, are very anti-God. Now, that's hard, hard to compute. You know, we get to a certain stage of smartness. You think you're smarter than Donnie. You know, uh, what do they say when they dedicate the Titanic? Uh, they 
they said, even God cannot sink the ship. I can't believe they said that, you know. Yeah, like a defiant God. Even God cannot sink the ship. And guess what happened? This, uh, that ship did sink on the first voyage. It's very hard to, you know, cannot, you cannot escape God. A person cannot escape God. You cannot escape God. So a person's got to be wise. A person's got to be mighty. And a person, number three, a person's got to have a very broad mind. What does that mean, a very broad mind? A prophet sees things that they cannot believe. You're seeing things from a different world, different perspective. So a person's going to have a very, be broad-minded, but it's very narrow-minded. And we think the prophets were very narrow-minded, right? Moses is very narrow-minded. It's impossible to be a prophet without being broad-minded. How can you see a burning bush? How can a person in their right mind accept there's a burning bush, right? The bush is burning, but it's not burning. I'm not sure if any goes to see what's going on. This is strange. Now, if it was you or me, maybe, maybe, we'd have just said, I must be dreaming, my friends. I'm, I'm out of it. I'm going home. Moshe Rabbein doesn't say that. Moshe Rabbein says this is something which needs further investigation. In Moshe Rabbein's world, if you believe in God, nothing's impossible. If you truly believe in God, nothing is impossible, even miracles are possible. Right? Just like Nachum Ishgamzu. Nachum his daughter comes to him and then says, Daddy, Daddy, it's Friday night, but we have no oil to light the candles. He said, what do we have in the house? He says, she says, vinegar, Daddy. He says, no problem. The same God who told the oil to light will tell the vinegar to burn. And she lists the lights, the vinegar, and it burns. Why? Because in his world, in Nachamish Gum's broad world, everything's possible in God's world. If God wills it, anything's possible, right? It's like Daniel, uh, not Daniel, Ezekiel. Ezekiel in the dream in the Valley of Dura. He's transported to the Valley of Dura and he sees all these bones, these dead bones, Jewish dead bones. And God appears to him in the dream and he says, Ezekiel, can these bones live? And he gives the famous, this is the smartest answer. If God asks you a question, is this possible? What does the smartest answer say? This is what exactly what Ezekiel said. God, if you would it, the bones will live. If God wills it, anything is possible. In God's world, there's no such thing. Everything is, it's a miraculous world. In God's world, everything is possible. If we can tune into God's world, everything is possible. A mute person can talk. A lame person can walk. Listen, this is Judaism. This is not a strange religion. It says at, at Har Sinai, it says, at Mount Sinai, the Midrash says, everyone was cured. The lame were cured. And there were a lot of lame people because the Jews were in construction and they were hurt by these massive boulders and stones that you, that, and bricks that, that the, I was going to say Romans. You know, we've been so many persecutions, hard to remember who it was. It was the Egyptians. The Egyptians made us build their pyramids, all their massive buildings. And there were a lot of Jewish injured. A lot of people were lame. Imagine walking through the desert with a lame. But uh, don't worry. 50 days later, at Mount Sinai, they were all healed. The blind could see and the lame could walk and the, and, the, and the people who couldn't hear could hear. They were all cured. In God's world, everything is possible. We're living, we're living in God's world. We have to remember. That's, a, that's the thing. We have to really believe we're living in God's world where everything is possible. That even a tiny little Pittsburgh, a country like Israel, like a tiny little, I mean, it's hard to imagine how small it is. It's just the size of New Jersey can take on, I don't know, 200 million enemies around us. I don't know. Just, and we're still here. It's a miracle. This is a miracle in God's world. So we're walking miracles. Any Jew today is walking around. It's a walking miracle. We survived how many thousands of years of persecution. We're still here. And that's one of the living, we're living testaments that God exists. We're in God's world. Okay, Rambam says, Shalem you can't be a prophet unless you're physically healthy. 
Why is that? Why do you have to be physically healthy to be a prophet? Because in a straight state of trance, in a trance-like state, a person's out of it. You can't eat, you can't drink, you're in a trance. A person's in a trance, they could be in a trance for three days. So they have to have the physical capabilities to survive starvation, basically. A trance-like state says also when, a, when God speaks to the prophet, he's trembling. Like you have this revelation, it like blows the mind. That's why a person's got to be very strong in the mind and very healthy to survive the prophecy. And we don't think about this, we don't, but we have to think about this. And it says, you know, Abraham Avinu saw God in a dream. Because it says, when God spoke to him, it says, sleep fell on Abraham. So in the daytime, a person has to sleep to see God. The visions don't happen when a person is walking and talking, except to one person who ever lived, Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu was the only one of our prophets who could see God walking and talking. That's mild. That's wild. And the hardest part of being Moshe Rabbeinu was, how do you know the difference between reality and surreality? That's how people go mad. Person sees God and they know it's a vision. Okay, that's one thing. But if you see God when you're walking and talking and talking to people, and you can redefine oneself and say, you know, I'm in a Right now I'm talking to God. Right now I'm talking to a person. A person going to be able to delineate. And he was the only one who could do that. Moshe Rabbeinu was the only one who could talk and walk and, and speak and think at the same time. And he was on call 24-7. That, that makes him unique. He was the unique. And that's the, that's the part of the Ramah also talks about it in this, in this chapter, this famous chapter. Okay, so, okay. Nechnas the Pardes. Then he says the magic words. Number six. This is the Rambam. You can get the Rambam and read it anywhere. Number six, this is not Kabbalah, this is Rambam, this is Pshat. This is simple, basic Judaism in, in the foundations for the Torah. Every Jew's got to know the foundation of the Torah. Everyone's got to know our heritage. Our heritage is there is meditation. Our heritage is there is spirituality. Our heritage is there's prophecy. I'm saying this not just for you. I'm saying this for anyone who's going to listen to this class. Who knows how people listen to these classes after a while. And the Baruch Hashem. Go into the orchard. What is the orchard? And we know because we know because four rabbis entered the orchard and they went into some different world and a different dimension. There's different dimensions out there. You know, the first time I heard this, I must have been 18 years old. I wish I heard about it earlier. We believe in different dimensions. We Jews, yes, it's part of our Judaism. We believe in different dimensions. We believe in different forms of life. You know, there's angels, angels talk to us. The Torah tells us that angels who speak in that different forms of life is not just life, but extraterrestrial life. I give a class once. Do we believe as Jews in extraterrestrial life? And the answer is, we believe, maybe, who knows? Is there extraterrestrial? Yes, there's definitely extraterrestrial. Because, you know, there's angels. Angels are already extraterrestrials. We believe there's many dimensions. Hashem is limitless. Hashem, we refer to as the insult. There's no limits. Hashem has no limits. Hashem is infinite. Hashem is living maybe in multiple, today they talk multiple worlds. Yes, why not? God is unlimited. That He can have multiple worlds going at the same time. You know, He's in the past, present, and future. That's what Yudke Vafke means. Yeah, He's living in the past. There's no time for God. He's in all the dimensions. He's in all stages of time. He's before the world was created. He's after the world created. He's, he's here with us right now. Now the question is, where are we? That is our question. Are we living in the present, in the past, or in the future? So when a person is reminiscing, we're living in the past. A lot of people just live in the past. We have to remember we're living in the present because our present, it becomes our future very fast. The present will be the future in one second. <laughs> if we don't live in the present, what are we living? 
we have to learn to make the maximum use of the present, of this second now. Make the maximum. We have to bring spirituality into the present. Oh boy. Okay. We have to live in the present. We have to learn to live in the present. Make the present spiritual. Think about God. Think about spirituality. Think about just And do it as well. Okay, we have to know there is a concept of meditation in Judaism. If what, and maybe next week we'll continue. As Rana Shem next week, part two, spirituality. If you missed part one, don't worry, you can hear it online. And we'll move on next week. As Rana Shem, and we'll talk a lot about music and other things, other vehicles to get us into a spiritual mode that we're losing today. As Rana Shem. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for attending tonight, giving your time and making a little island of spirituality and time. Shabbat shalom. Thank you, Long. Thank you very much. Thank you, Rabbi. It's from Yerushalayim, Yerakodesh. May the holiness of Yerushalayim. Thank you, Rabbi. Shabbat shalom. I just say one story. It's a, I mean, a story I heard yesterday. It's a true story. It says one of the Hasidic rabbis moved to Israel. This is in the 18th century. He moved to Sfat and he moved to Tiberia. He's searching for spirituality in Israel until he says, he tells his students, I found it. So what do you find? I found spirituality. So where do you find the spirituality? He says, I see the fire in every blade of grass. <laughs> you have to find God in every blade of grass. That's the spirituality. It's right there in front of us. That's, that is what he's meditating on. That's what he's looking for. In Israel, you'll find it. As Rabbi Shem, we will find it. Take care. Good night. Take care. Good night. Shabbat shalom. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.